0: Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. Believe it or not, we are... Here in the home stretch on our series on Philippians, we're going to wrap up the end of chapter four, and then next week we'll conclude the entire series. We've been in this uh, book for 15 weeks. We have been picking it apart. We have been <clears throat> pulling everything that we can, uh, we can find, and the Spirit of God would show us right out of it. And um, there's been a lot of really, really good stuff. And so um, we're going to. It's, I think it's really appropriate, actually, that it that it wraps up this way on Father's Day at the end of chapter four, <clears throat> because um, there are a lot of things that dads are supposed to do. They're supposed to example for their families. And me and Nina had a chance to talk with someone this week who um, who's been you know very successful in, in in business and would say successful in life. And across the table at a, at lunch, he looked at us and said, "You know, I've struggled for a long time um with my view of god because my because of the actions of my own father and so um if you're a father in this room or you're listening to this or watching this or some right now or sometime in the future i want you to know you have a very important role the culture is trying to destroy that role, and one of the reasons it's trying to destroy that role, the, the attitude, the spirit behind that is to get all of us to look away from an example and only look within. If your father has not been a good example, I'm sorry. If you are, if you had a rough uh, go of it with your dad, I apologize. If you have um, a great father, that's awesome. Regardless, if you have the best father in the world or the worst father in the world or somewhere in between, there is an impact of how you view God based upon his actions. And so for all the fathers in the room who might be going, oh, my goodness, I have failed miserably, reflecting the the love and the, the character of God back to my family, you are also supposed to example grace what it looks like when you as a leader fail, go to God and then get repentance. You, you, you repent and then you get grace in return. And you're supposed to example that grace to your families as well. You are not designed to be perfect dads. You are not designed to be perfect. um, in any way you're not designed to be without flaw. What you are designed to do is reflect the character and nature of God back to your families and your children or, and to the people that you're around, but primarily your First job is to love God and and take care of your family. And when you do that, if you mess up, go back to them and say, I'm wrong. This is how God forgives me. And I'm gonna pass that forgiveness and grace on to everybody else. If you did not grow up in a home like that, if you have a terrible relationship with your father, if your father was absent or if they were there but they didn't really participate or whatever the generalized story and the details of your specific, um, your, your specific story will be, I want to give you some good news. <clears throat> At some point in time, the view of your father will move to the side and your view of Almighty God needs to take precedent as your eternal heavenly father. For all the failures and shortcomings of your dad, or of your mom, or of your family, or your aunts and uncles, or whoever you looked up to in life, all of those failures and things can be um, can can have an impact on you. They can also be put to the side so that we can look for the perfect example that we see in God Almighty. So, dads, you are absolutely needed. One of the main reasons you're needed is to example strength and i'm not talking about like welcome to the gun show strength right i'm not talking about that i'm not talking about lifting weights or being in the gym i'm talking about a a different type of strength see our culture wants you to think that a man does this this and this you know they don't cry they don't you know they don't um they don't give in they don't stand down they don't back down for nobody you know they'll get up and and do whatever it takes and there's moments where that may need to happen There's defense that needs to happen as the role of a man and as a a protector and as a father, but it is a misguided view of strength. It's a misguided view because we're supposed to be strong in a number of things, strong in responsibility, strong in forgiveness, strong in our character and relationship with God. You know, it's, it's, it's very funny. I heard somebody say uh, from the church world this week, you know, they were like Mother's Day is like, oh, my goodness, you're so wonderful. And then Father's Day is like, get your button gear, son. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's these two dichotomies of of kind of what the day pre- presents. And the reason for that is because one of the things that you're that you as a father is supposed to do is set a standard. You just have to hold the line on the standard regardless of how far people want to run off off from it or how they want to pull you in one direction, your friends, your family, other fathers, whatever. You're supposed to make a stand in the strength of your relationship with God. And so the culture, the more and more we're finding, and I listened to a social worker talk to a room full of people last night who said the number one thing that's happening in all of the troubled kids that she deals with primarily between the ages of eight and 16 are the absence of fathers and the deterioration of the family. Why? Because if the enemy or the culture can remove the influence of the father, what do you have left? Look into yourself. Whatever you want to do is fine. Whatever you think is right is right and you will chase all kinds of crazy avenues if there's no guidance of a father in front of you now this message today is not specifically towards fathers it's towards everybody that's in the room whether you're going to be a father in the future whether you have a dad whether your dad is passed on and moved to heaven like mine if you're um if you're a, a lady in the room a mother whatever this message is going to apply to you because it's going to deal with our strength our strength. So, one of the things that Paul addresses in this passage in Philippians chapter four, he addresses. Um, we're and we're going to look at two of the most um, incorrectly used verses in all of the Bible. We're going to have a whole series on this sometime in the future where I pick all these one-liner quotes that we pull out of Scripture and we use out of context or in the wrong way. Um, and that's going to be a whole lot of fun. But this is there's two of them in this passage at the end of Philippians 4 that we as Americans, especially here in the West, are very guilty of using incorrectly. And one of them is Philippians 4.13. Anybody familiar with this? Excuse me, anybody familiar with this passage? What's it say? Anybody just just yell it out. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is that is exactly right. How many have seen that on a coffee cup? On a photo? On a t-shirt? How many have heard it sung in a worship song? How many people have heard a message on this this? How many have heard 50 messages on this? How many have seen this on a social media profile? That's everybody with two hands raised, right? Because it's everywhere, right? So everybody looks at this passage and says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And this, um, how we apply this is, hey, you can have a great business that's going to make you six figures if you'll just follow these 90 of steps because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Ever seen those things? Now, I'm not against some some of these, like, businesses that are online and stuff. I have some friends who have done very, very well in them. It has been a, a thing that they've used to bless the kingdom and other people. I'm not coming after that. I'm coming after the idea that Philippians 4.13 means that you can pick whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's fleshly or otherwise outside of God's will. And because God has given you strength as a believer, you can just go do it, and you got a free pass. Just chase whatever it is you want to chase. Because you can do all things. I'm here to tell you today, that is not the point of the scripture. That is not what Paul is saying here, that you can do all things through Christ. In fact, you cannot. Now That might cook your, your, your brain a little bit and be like, well, the Bible says you can do all things. Correct. And you're telling me you can't do all things. Correct. Matt, you're going against the Bible. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want somebody, um, Grace would be great if Grace did this one. Um, uh, This would be awesome. I want Grace to stand up here on the stage. Don't move. It's just an analogy, so you don't really have to move. But I want Grace to flap her arms as much and as fast as she possibly can. And I want her to say, I can fly in the name of Jesus, and I want her to fly home. What's going to happen? huh? She's going to be sweaty and have a whole bunch of tired arms, right? Like she's gonna be like, how long do I have to do this? Is she going to be able to fly home? No, she's not going to be able to do that. If you want to try that later, wait for me to grab my phone and I'll put it online because it'll go viral. It'll be awesome. But you know, if someone tries to do that and now you might be sitting here thinking or listening to this and going, Matt, stop being dumb. But it says all things, you can do all things. Can I, at 45 years old, enter the NBA right now and get a full-on contract and guard Kevin Durant and prevent him from dropping 50 points in an NBA game? Huh? Did you say yes? Oh, no, my wife, I thought you had my back right there. Yes, you can, honey. I was like, yeah. No, she said, no, it should be correct, right? No, I cannot. Then what is the what are the parameters for this scripture? What does it mean that I can do all things through Christ? One of the things that we have to do in scripture is not just take one little line and say, "Oh, I want to start a business. There it is. I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. Bam, I'm going to go out through the business. Or I want to... You know, my goal is to have this, you know, super nice car, which is not a problem. But then we take that scripture. I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. And we use that as this weird, westernized culture motivation that's incorrect. Because that's not what the passage says. If we're going to really look at the Bible and really look at what it says, we're going to have to not just take out the one little one-liners that we like, we're going to have to read it in context and understand what it's saying. If you have a favorite passage of Scripture, I want to encourage you to read the entire chapter, not just the one verse. At the very least, to back up a few verses, read before your the verse that you really like, and then keep reading a couple of verses after. And I think that almost in every scenario, your understanding of what is being communicated will change. That's what we're gonna look at here today, is two of these verses that are incorrectly used like this. So number one in your notes, there's only two points today. Number one point in your notes is this, the strength to endure the strength to endure so here's what we're going to do oh let me give you a humorous example about philippians four thirteen. i forgot to tell you this one there was a i heard a story of a boxer who was a christian guy and he was uh getting ready for a fight and uh, he was like every time he was you know, seen online or he was seen in the gym or whatever. He's, you know, punching the heavy bag or the speed bag, you know, he's going after it and he's quoting that I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. He's got like the song bumping in the background and he's like, you know, doing his workout and he goes down to the ring and he's like, I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. And he gets in the ring and he proceeds to get his behind knocked right out. He got knocked out cold. And there he is laying in the middle of the, of the, of the ring out cold on his back and that camera above the ring kind of has that shot and then he's laying out there and written right across the front of his trunks is what philippians four thirteen. talk about embarrassing i can do all things through christ except beat that guy so what happens when we look at these scriptures out of context like i can do all things through christ and then we fail at something that we really wanted to do what happens we look at the scripture and go must not work for us doesn't work for everybody and people begin to wander off from the scripture because they think oh it didn't work for me this is the importance of reading this the correct way so here's what we're going to do we're going to back up to philippians chapter 4 verse 10. instead of jumping right to 13 We're going to read verse 10 and then get down to 13. And let's see that after reading this, if our understanding changes a little bit about what's going on here. This is Paul talking to the church in Philippi. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is on a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength after hearing that and reading it in that context do we think that what god is saying here is you can do whatever you want to do what was that song you can do whatever you like and he's gonna he's gonna put his you know sign off you know god signed yes you get to go and do whatever it is you want to do because you can do all things does it look like that's what he's saying Does it look like he's saying that you live in the richest nation in the history of mankind, and if you want more and more and more things and more things and more abundance and more overflow and more of all that stuff, and you want to look like that old cartoon Darkwing duck that used to swim in his $100 bills, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't know what that is, go check it out on Nickelodeon. But, you know, you, you think that I want more, I want more, I want more, and God is signing off on that? Is that what Paul is saying? The guy who is literally chained to somebody, who the Praetorian guard that we learned about a few weeks ago, he's literally chained to him. He's literally having to go to the bathroom, chained next to this guy that, that rotates every several hours. Do you think that guy who's in prison is worried about encouraging you to go and live your best life now, or is he saying something different here? What we just read is he's not telling you you can do whatever it is that you want to do regardless if God has signed off on it. He's going to sign off on it because you're his child. You can just go do all things through Christ. He's going to strengthen you to do all things. Uh Uh-uh. That is not what he just said. What he said was, I have learned to be content with whatever it is that I have. That if I have a lot, if I got a little, If I've had the greatest dad that ever walked the earth or I never knew my father, if I'm on the the top of the, the mountain of success or I'm in the valley of bankruptcy and failure, no matter where it is, if I have eaten a lot today or if I did not have any food to put in my mouth and my stomach is hungry and it's growling today, no matter where I am, no matter what scenario I am in, I am following the spirit of God. He lives inside of me and I can endure through anything because I've been given the power of God to endure it. It does not mean that I get to go pick whatever it is that I wanna go do and I can just run out there and just have God sign off on it. This has been a a, a phenomenon that's happened in the American church, and that's what we would refer to as the American gospel. But we we talked a couple of weeks ago, right, about a different gospel, one that if we have to put a title before the word gospel, it is not the gospel. He's not saying here that there are no reservations, there's no limitations, you can go do whatever you want because God has given you the power to do everything just like him, no. Can you save? Can you die on the cross for the remission of sins and have people have faith in you to go to heaven? No. So there are limitations to what Paul is giving us here. I wrote in the, I put in your notes a a note from the Adam Clark Biblical Commentary. There's two lines in this quote. It was not a habit which Paul acquired by frequent exercise, it was a disposition that he had by grace. He was enabled to do all by the power of an indwelling Christ. He was able to make it through the hardship or the glory, no matter what, where it was that the spirit of God led him, he could make it through because the spirit of God can get you through anything. Does God have the ability to bless you financially? Absolutely. Does he have the ability for to open a door for you, to, to have more, and to, to, to have a lot of uh, resources to be able to help other people? Definitely. He can do whatever he wants. The limitation resides with us. And what happens is, as Christians go through to people and tell them, you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength, and then they fail, and what happens? I need to find some other belief system because this doesn't really work for me because i mean it worked for you but just not for me so that's your truth not mine i need to go find my truth the thing that works for me and we dilute the effectiveness of the gospel because we hit people with these one-liners instead of the true context of what's being said next on your notes philippians four thirteen is not an announcement by god that you are capable of worldly fame fortune and glorious feats of human accomplishment let's keep going in your notes philippians 4 13 is a humble realization that it doesn't matter if i have a lot or a little If we're hungry or well-fed, if we're poor or wealthy, we can make it through anything because the gift, the privilege, and the supernatural strength that resides in us through the Holy Spirit. A second commentary, um, John Gill's exposition of the Bible, I put it in your notes as well, and there's another line here that we'll fill in together. Listen to what he says. Philippians 4.13 must not be understood as having the greatest latitude, meaning it'll just be applied everywhere. It also must not um, be understood as it has no limitations. For the apostle Paul was not omnipotent, either in himself or by the power of Christ, nor could he do all the things that Christ could do, but it must be restrained to the subject matter at hand. The sense is that he could be content next on your notes content the sense is he could be content in every state and could know how to behave himself in adversity and prosperity amidst poverty and plenty what i'm trying to say is you can't do all things what you can do is make it and survive and live after the, the the struggle or the suffering that you're enduring right now. Or you can stand on the mountaintop and realize there is no way in the world that I got here by myself. I am giving all glory, all honor, all Um, all uh, attention directly to the God who sustained me because I'm not able to be here without him. You may look and go, well, Matt, there's people in the world who are pretty successful, bro. They don't deal with God. They're able to do quite a bit of things, Mm -hmm. except flap their arms and fly home. Everybody has limitations. Everybody has a gift and a skill set. But if you're the enemy of God, wouldn't you want someone to succeed and excel to look and say, be like them, follow everything that you want to do, and portray a lie that will only end in destruction? The answer is yes. That's why scripture warns us not to envy people who have a lot or do a lot of these things. Why? Because all of that is not our source. You having the ability to do all things is not the source. The source is the God who enables you to endure. He gives you the strength not to do whatever you want, but to endure through any circumstance. Did the context of that scripture change for everybody? The same way it changed for me when I read it? I hope so. Because it'll change the way you act and think about scripture going forward. Point number two, and this last point for our message is this. <clears throat> the strength of generosity. The strength of generosity. So here's another passage and I don't know if I didn't realize these were so close together, but there's another passage that people take out of context as well. And it says this, uh, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Right. That's Philippians four nineteen. So what people like to do is take 13. I can do all things through Christ. God's going to supply all my needs. Bam. Put these two together and create like this super verse. like, Yes, I can do all things, and God's gonna provide. So I've got this wrapped up. Oh, we about to be rolling. You know what I mean? Like, woohoo, Making it rain, right? Where this is this is how it's supposed to be. Except what happens? What happens when I have a hard time? If we've only been presented these individual scriptures, we go back and ask people, well. What happens now that I, I'm not being successful at the thing I put my hand to and I'm struggling to have my needs met? What what now? And then what do people say? You have to believe harder. Has anyone seen anybody believe harder? What does that look like? It's like you were believing like this and now it's like this. You ever seen anybody do that? Because I don't know what that looks like. Because if you're telling me, do I believe, I either believe or I don't. You ever seen somebody say, you got to pray harder? How do you do that? Do you just start here? Oh, God. Oh, I need to get louder. Oh, God. Like, is that the hard, Is that praying harder? You know what I mean? It was loud. Sorry. If I, <laughs> for all you guys who were sleepy, I woke you up right there. But how do you do that? Because my Bible doesn't say pray harder, it says pray without ceasing, consistently going before God. Not I gonna get it up here because this is what it looks like to pray harder. No. We start manufacturing things because we didn't look at the full context of the Bible. So the same thing that we did with Philippians chapter four, verse 13, we read before it. Let's do the same thing with chapter with verse 19. We're gonna start at verse 14. And read that, okay? Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. All glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. He gives this big dissertation to these people saying, Hey, you guys sent me money. You sent me clothes, you sent me a coat, you sent me parchments, you sent me pins, you sent me food. You you supported me while I was out here preaching the gospel and teaching the gospel to all of the rest of these people. You supported me and it was through that support that God has blessed me. I have I have I don't need anything else. I have everything I need. I have more than I need. Don't send any more. How many times have you heard a preacher say that? Never. Look, we're good like the rest of the year. We have all the money we need. You know what I mean? Like we no, Here's Paul saying, hey, look, I'm good. I don't need anything else. We can support other things. Don't just send it to me. So here he is, and he's telling them, hey, you've done good. You've been done, done very good. Thank you for your support. The God that has supplied my need is the same God that would supply your need, because of a heart of generosity that's been displayed. There's a couple of things I want to look at real quick. Real quick here in this passage, and there's it's letter A in your notes. It talks about generous people. Generous people are concerned with others. Generous people are concerned with others. How do we know that these generous people that are Philippians, how do we know that they're concerned about Paul? Because he said it out of his own mouth in verse 10. I praise the Lord that you were concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me that word concern i wrote the a couple little definitions down in your in your notes the original word concern that the bible uses there is um i can't even say it i'm, I'm going to butcher it it's uh fronio, i believe is how you pronounce it and it means this that word concern means to have understanding or to be wise to feel or think, to be of the same mind, to direct one's mind to a thing, to seek one's interest or advantage. So what he's saying there is you have been concerned for me. And if we're going to be generous people, we're going to have to be concerned. We're going to have to have understanding. We're going to have to feel what the other person is feeling. We're going to have to think about things from their perspective. We're going to have to be of the same mind. We're going to direct one's mind towards the same thing. We're going to have to seek one, somebody else's interest or advantage. That's what it means to be concerned. That's what it means to truly be concerned. And you're only going to have a true concern if you really love that person. If you really have empathy, if you really have compassion, if you really have love for someone else, you're going to look at them and say, oh, my goodness, Paul is chained to this guy 24 hours a day. Oh, man, what can we do to help him? What would go well on his wrist to kind of give him some relief from that, the metal rubbing his skin raw? What can we do? I'm thinking things from their perspective, from the other person's. I'm not thinking about, I want to do what I think I want them to have. No, I'm stopping and trying to see it from where they are. I have true concern. Did you know that there are things that you are supposed to do and can do as believers in Christ that you don't have to pray about? You do not have to pray about everything that you do. Let me give you a great context for this. Ready? Not John 3, 16. 1 John three sixteen and 17. Here's what it says. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for other brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can god's love be in that person Ooh. how can god's love be in that person if you have the means to live well and you see a brother or sister in the lord who's struggling they need they're having a, a, a they're in between jobs they're they're needing something at this moment they have some type of need and you have the means to meet the need you do not have to go back to the lord in your prayer closet the next day and be like Okay, God, do you want me to help them or not? You know, I just don't want to step in here and you know just override you. I don't want to over you, you we don't want to override God. Right. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, am I no, you're supposed to help. You're supposed to help. If you have the means to help and it is not impacting you in a negative way, the generous, concerned person gets involved and says, let me help at this point not to the point where you become somebody else's source but where you say the scripture has compelled me to help you in a way and by doing so you are obeying the direction of god and god is blessing someone through you ever heard the um uh, uh me and paul were talking about this the other day you ever heard that phrase uh, uh, blessed to be a blessing We cannot stop the phrase at blessed, or change it, uh, blessed to be blessed. Blessed to be a blessing. Letter B, next thing about generous people. Generous people know the source of their substance. Generous people know the source of their substance. This idea that our that our culture has is, you know, you raise yourself up by the bootstraps, you go do the thing that you need to do, you pick yourself up, you go do everything on your own, you don't need any help, you just go out there and you charge forward and build your own thing and be successful and all that. I call that the religion of self-help because it really is a religion. It requires blind faith and an ability that you don't have. The religion of self-help has convinced many in our culture that you, that I, that our self, is the source of good happiness and all success. They like to say things like, you have the power to change your situation and your financial status. You have everything inside of you. It's in you. It's in you. And it becomes a religion of self-worship. But the believer in Christ knows the truth. And the truth is we know exactly that we, the only thing that we're the source of ourselves is hate, anger, frustration, fear, wickedness, selfish, lust, and everything else in the Bible talks about how our heart is corrupted without God. That's what we're the source of. We know that the source of everything that we have, income and everything, regardless whether it came your business or the work of your hands, ultimately came from God because he gave you the ability to earn it. The mind and the health to fulfill it. Was there some discipline involved on your Randy? Absolutely. Was there some work? Yes, there was some work, but that work without those starting materials would never have produced anything. It had been wasted effort. There's a passage in the Old Testament where um, the children of Israel are getting ready to go into Canaan. And they're getting ready to go into Israel into the promised land and they are excited. And you know, the 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 land is, you know, rich and fertile and their crops are going to grow fast. And there's there's grass and there's water and there's all kinds of vegetation to feed their their livestock and their animals and to to put their horses there and to tie them up and to to feed their oxen so they can work the land and they're all excited. They're ready. And before they got to Canaan, where were they? They were in Egypt. And God led them out of Egypt. And what did he give him? Part of the Red Sea. Gave him a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to to guide them through the wilderness. He gave them manna. He gave them water in the wilderness. He gave them all of this stuff. And right before they go into Canaan, the writer of Deuteronomy begins to remind them, hey, look at all this stuff that God did for you before you got here. Look at all the paths that were open, the the roads that were clear, the doors that were open, the situations that just so happened to work in your favor. Look at all of these things. And before you walk into this time of abundance or blessing or um, uh, finding your promise, before you do that, I want to remind you about all these things that God has done. And here's why I wanted to bring this to our attention we're talking about generosity. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18 says this. He, being God, did all of this so you would nav- never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Hmm. Remember the Lord, your God, he is the one who gives you, uh, gives you your power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed with your ancestors with an oath. He is the one if you got a voice to sing, he's the one that gave it to you. If you've got a, a, a musical knack or ability to, to write songs, to produce music, to, to play an instrument like we, we were doing earlier, he's the one who gave you that ability. If you have a, an analytical mind and see numbers and do math computations really quick, he's the one who gave you the brain that fires in that capacity. He's the source of everything. Generous people know the source of their substance is almighty God and not their own hands. Letter C. Generous people understand to whom they are truly giving. Generous people understand to whom they are truly giving. Proverbs 19:17 If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. If you give to the poor, you are lending to God and he will repay you. When we talk about these scriptures that we take out of context at the end of Philippians chapter four. When we look at these scriptures and we look at them by themselves, we can easily twist them to mean the thing that we want them to mean. We can easily look at them as steps. I talk frequently about the Jesus rules, you know, the checklist of doing all the right things. And we can look at this and go, oh, if I'm a believer, I get this and I get this and God's gonna provide my needs and all this kind of stuff. We can take these things out of context and disfigure the truth. And when we disfigure the truth, We shape it in an idol that looks a lot like what we want. I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of people, I recognize them because I was this way. When I would dream or I'd have these ideas of like, oh man, I want to do this or that or the other when I was younger, I would think, man, I have needs for my family and to provide living day to day. I got all this stuff over here I want to do. And if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need a whole bunch of things. And so some of those wants I recategorized as needs and tried to slip them in the list over here on the need list. And thought, well, I need this to accomplish his dream. And since God wants me to have my dream accomplished, because I can do all things through Christ, He's going to provide all these needs, which are actually wants. But they're going to be needs to fulfill my wants, and so they're kind of needs. So He's on the hook to have them. He's on the hook to provide them for me. I was wildly confused when they didn't, they weren't provided. Wildly confused when they never materialized, because I took the passage. Oh. God's gonna provide my needs and I need a whole lot of things and ignored the verse before, verse 18. The moment I have all I need, I'm supplied with the gifts you sent me through Epaphroditus. They're a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. The gifts that we give other people in their moment of need, out of obedience to the direction of God's spirit, are a sweet smelling sacrifice sacrifice that God enjoys. And when we give to those who are in need, we lend to God and he repays. We're going to take an offering right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Four people got my joke. That was awesome. Sergio got it too. <clears throat> just kidding. It's not what we're going to do. Because the generous being generous like the people in philippi were was not about i have to do this i got to give this i got to write some check or i got to do this to this person or whatever nope it was about the heart being transformed i have to give x amount of percentage every time really um because the new testament says uh, not just 10% says All of it's his. And I don't know about you, but as a rule follower, I would really like the percentage to hold true so I know what my budget's going to look like and how I can plan for this and all that kind of stuff. And then when that goes away and God says, oh, it all belongs to me, just follow me and I'm going to influence your heart to give in a way that's generous to other people. It made me nervous. At first. But I was given a gift in my wife who has a generous heart to give to everyone. And as I began to learn, God, you began to teach me through that generosity she displayed. And what I saw in his word, it became a less of this structured rigidity. Became, of course, I would give God whatever you want. Of course we would help in however way we can. Of course we would be able to help other people. And I wish that that rigidity went away when I was young. It didn't. It took me a long time for it to go away. I wrote one reflection question at the very end of your notes, and that's this. Is there any area of my my life where I am where my own strength is failing me? Is there any area of my life where my own strength, I haven't been able to endure or make it through because I've been relying on myself or I've not been able to be the the type of generous person I need to be to the poor, to to my brothers and sisters in need. Is there any place that I have relied on my own strength and that strength is failing me If so, it's very, very simple. God, take this harshness, this rigidity, this stiffness away from me. Soften my heart with your spirit and allow me to function from your strength, not my own. And when we do that, the dynamic of everything we're experiencing can change.